0: This message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us, and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Hey, it sure is good to be here this morning. I want to welcome those of us who are here in the space and those of us who are worshiping online. Uh, I know that it's the tail end of our uh, local school area's uh, winter break. We have a lot of families that are likely traveling back home this morning, and hopefully we even have some that are worshiping with us in the car. Uh, But I encourage you who might be worshiping in the car this morning, feel free uh, to allow the driver to keep his or her eyes open while praying. Uh, For everyone else, uh, you know, hey, enjoy, right? Enjoy. Well, I want to thank everyone. Uh, A huge shout-out to Pastor Brent and the team that enabled Tiffany and me to get away with family last week. Uh, We went down to our family spot in Panama City, and we had an absolutely wonderful time. I did worship with you all online last week, and I want to uh, just again say thanks to Pastor Brent who gave a great message uh, in our Ongoing War Our continuing series on forgiveness, which is called Sorry, Learning, Learning to Forgive. Now, just to kind of let you know how we got to this point, as a recap... In order for us to get to where we are here today, when we got into the idea of forgiveness, the first week we explored what forgiveness is versus what forgiveness is not. And the second week we talked about repentance and how it does sound and seem kind of like a very churchy word. But it's really just the meaning of to change your mind, and the whole idea about repentance is it carries kind of a, a dual nature understanding with it. On one hand, we are called to change our mind about the way that we, uh, the way that we're living, right? From a sin riddled existence to a grace-given existence. And the other part of that, the result of that, is that we are called to change the way that we think about and we look at the world as a result of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so even though repentance does carry with it kind of a churchy uh, sound, it really just means to change your mind, to not think about sin first, but our Savior first, or Spirit first. And then as a result of that, we have to change the way that we look at the world. We see it as Opportunity, We see possibility as opposed to uh, something else that we might have seen. And then last week, Pastor Brent gave a great message on forgiveness and justice. The idea, just in a nutshell about that, is that justice so often from our uh, modern way of thinking has to do with revenge for doing wrong either seeking revenge or getting revenge, uh, versus how it is intended to be God bringing wholeness to us. And it's impossible, as Brent talked about, to balance those scales. So, as we come to this point today, our message this morning is going to help us to think about growing spiritually, spiritually as a result of forgiveness growing spiritually as a result of forgiveness. Now, the previous messages in this uh, have taken several different passages out of the Bible. Uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to read one longer passage out of the book of Ephesians, and from there we're going to pull out various aspects of things that have shown up in our previous installments. So we're going to take another step farther. So, if you have your uh, handy-dandy Hope Church Plus app handy, uh, or if you want to use the follow-along notes that are inserted in your worship guide this morning, you can certainly do that. Uh, but we're gonna going going to be reading this morning from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32, and I'm using the English Standard Version today. And so again, I I recognize this is a little longer than what we typically read on a Sunday morning, but it's so rich and so deep. Uh, It will be, uh, hopefully it'll, it'll be helpful for you. So, now this I say and testify in the Lord, and this is the Apostle Paul who's writing this. That you must no longer walk, as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. Does that bring about the idea of repentance, changing your mind, right? Yes, of course. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Now pay attention to this. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The word of God for the people of God. Let's give thanks to God. Amen. So hopefully you have seen, as we read through this, the various elements and aspects of our entire series brought into this whole idea of spiritually growing through and in forgiveness now i emphasized a couple times throughout the reading of that the whole idea of putting on or putting off taking on or taking off our old way of living and our old way of thinking does that bring to mind kind of a churchy word that i talked about maybe three minutes ago Repentance, exactly right. It's about changing the way that you think and you look at the world because of the relationship that you now have with God. But what the Apostle Paul gives us as we read through these verses here is the idea that this is not something that we can just allow to passively happen to us. It takes deliberate intention, doesn't it? Now, think about your own life. When you have been called and or challenged to live in and through forgiveness... Because of the forgiveness that God gave you through Jesus Christ, and also the forgiveness that you were called to share and to give with others in the world. Think about how intentional and deliberate it requires us to think and act and behave, right? It requires an intentionality. Not just allowing our life and relationship with God to passively happen to us. Now, that's not to say that God is not at work in ways that we might not be able to recall or to pick up, point out at the time. But what it does speak and encourage us, hopefully, is to think about ways that we can take our understanding of who God is in Jesus Christ, thanks to the Holy Spirit, and put that into work in our life and seeking to grow closer to God and closer to each other. And we realize that forgiveness is the hinge which makes that possible. Jesus forgave us for our sins and encourages us, nay, challenges us, commands us to live lives of forgiveness for others. This, my friends, is where we get this intentionality that it requires us to constantly think about our forgiveness and our forgiveness. The forgiveness that we receive, the way that it calls and challenges us to be different, but also the responsibility that we have in that to live lives of forgiveness for others, for God in the world. So the first point, as we dig into this a little more deeply, is we see that our beliefs must be revealed in our behavior. I know I talk about this a lot, but it's one of those things that continuously comes up to me. As I think about what it means to learn to forgive, Pastor Brent and I had a very spirited conversation uh, two weeks ago in preparation for his message and this message as well. Where we talked about the struggle of forgiveness, the struggle of living spiritual lives in a fallen world, and the struggle that we all live into constantly. To think about how we are guilty of hypocrisy, but also how we witness hypocrisy in the world, right? It was Gandhi that made that statement that, you're Christ, I love, your are Christians, not so much. And that speaks to a stark reality of how the world sees people who proclaim or profess a faith in Jesus, yet behave as though they've never met the man. One of those scary verses that we read occasionally is how... Jesus says that there will be some who on the day of judgment come and say, Hey, we've called on you, Jesus. And he's going to say, I don't know who you are because your beliefs and your behaviors do not match. I was in a conversation the other day, and in this chat, conversation, whatever, someone was challenged by somebody who professes with very flowery language and a persona almost to match about faith in Christ. But yet, the underlying behavior does not match the flowery language or the behaviors that seek to be projected. If you don't know anybody like that? Talk a good talk, put on a good show, but don't, don't have that authentic connection to Christ. Perhaps you've heard before that the word hypocrisy, hypocrite, is really just a Greek acting term, which means to put on a part, to play a role, and to take creative license with the role that you're given. We've all known people like that. We've all been people like that. We need to accept the forgiveness that God offers through us in Jesus Christ, and we need to share that forgiveness with the world that is looking for truth and looking for an authentic Connection with our living God in Christ Jesus. And if our behaviors and our beliefs do not match, if they're not congruent, then we're going to put off a negative connotation or negative image about what it means to follow jesus but here is the rub so to speak right you can't have movement without friction is that when we find ourselves being guilty of hypocrisy or we are in relationship with someone who is acting acting hypocritical then the friction that we get the resistance that helps move us forward reminds us that forgiveness is the hinge upon which our doorway into eternity rests. It's the receiving of forgiveness and the offering of forgiveness as well. So when we mess up, when we make a mess of things, forgiveness becomes that hinge into eternity. The forgiveness that we receive, we are called to give to others. And so we cannot allow our hypocrisy to be a reason someone does not experience the fullness of God in Jesus Christ, but we use it as a way to help show people that forgiveness is the hinge upon which the door to eternity swings. We need to receive it. We need to share it. second point that we have from this is we are called to live a transformed life. Right, that's what I was talking about there with our behavior. Live a transformed life, and then we see this phrase parenthetically beneath that, and you saw it in the scripture: "Is don't grieve the Holy Spirit." Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, what do you think would cause the Holy Spirit to be grieved? What do you think? Well, it's not living into the gift that God has given you. Not living into the power of a transformed life thanks to the forgiveness of sins. Think about a time when you gave a gift that you were really proud of to somebody, right? And they didn't, not just appreciate it, didn't even open it, right? How did it make you feel? Made you feel sad. Made you feel perhaps taken advantage of. It made you feel as though that that which you had to offer was not even meaningful or valued the recipient. This is the simplest way to think about grieving the Holy Spirit. Because God in Christ gives us the gift of salvation that comes through the forgiveness of sins. And when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life, then what the Holy Spirit does, he comes and lives and dwells within us and empowers us with special spiritual gifts that help us to build the body of Christ, not just our own individual temples, but the greater temples that we see around us here in our local church and our church's work in the community and across all creation. These are the gifts that God gives us, forgiveness and the power of the Spirit, which helps us to be more than we can ever be on our own, and God working and moving and surging in the world thanks to who we are. And when we do not receive those gifts of salvation through forgiveness of sins, we do not receive the gifts that God gives us, supernatural spiritual abilities to represent God in the world around us, we receive them, but we don't value them. That grieves the Holy Spirit. There are a couple of things that we see that we can pull out and what it means to live a transformed life, thanks to this passage that we have in Ephesians chapter 4. The first thing that we see is to watch your words and speak the truth. Watch your words and speak the truth. Now, our culture has changed the way that it understands and identifies truth. It makes truth personal, right? Have you ever heard someone say, I'm just living my truth, or you go live your truth and I'll live my truth? It makes truth almost arbitrary, as though it can change with the whims and with the cultural movements of the day. That is not truth, my friends. When Jesus was standing before Pontius Pilate before he eventually was crucified, Pontius Pilate asked him a question. Are you familiar what that question is? What is truth? What is truth? Jesus answered that earlier in his ministry when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the what? Life. That comes from the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6. Every piece of that verse has something eternally significant from which we can find meaning and hope. When Jesus says, I am, he is going all the way back, referencing God's encounter with Moses at the burning bush. When Moses asks, Who shall I say ascending them? And God says, Say, I am that I am ascending them. That's my name. And so, whenever you hear Jesus use those words, I am, he is also connecting his life and his experience into all eternity. I am the one who created. I am the one who saves. I am the one who sends my spirit to empower and to sustain you in your work, in your mission, and your ministry, to reveal God's love and grace. I am. Jesus also says, I am the way. I am the way that I want you to live. Follow my example. Show the truth. And that gets into the idea that when people want to personify truth and say, my truth or your truth, Jesus says truth is personal, but it is not arbitrary. Truth belongs to God, truth is the personification. Of God, where Jesus is the personification of God, and therefore Jesus is the personification of truth. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus lives, present tense. He died and was resurrected to live still. So when we are called to use our words to point people to Jesus and to point people to truth, We have to recognize that truth is personal, but it is not arbitrary. And therefore, truth must be spoken about Jesus. The Apostle Paul also writes, that Whenever you speak the truth, you are to do it in love. All too often, people hear truth spoken by followers of Jesus and mistaken for judgment. Now, does that mean that there are times when people have been judgmental in sharing truth? Absolutely, it does. Absolutely it does. And we must be very cautious about that. We're called to speak the truth and love and point people to love. So the way that we use our words, showing the way, the truth, and the life by which we live, we strive to live, all must be centered in Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who forgives and calls us to forgive others, making forgiveness the hinge upon which the doorway into heaven and eternity swings. The next thing we see about a transformed life is how we deal with anger. How we deal with anger. Now, anger is an emotion, right? All of our emotions are amoral. In other words, our emotions are neither bad nor good. Yet, what we do with our emotions is, right? Right? The Apostle Paul, in this passage on Ephesians, speaks specifically about anger. Anger is not in and of itself wrong. Anger is not in and of itself a sin. But the way that we deal with our anger can be. Have you ever heard that phrase, don't let the sun go down on your anger? Did you know that came out of the Bible? It's one of those pieces of timeless wisdom. It's oftentimes used in marriage counseling, for example, premarital counseling. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't stew on it. Deal with it. Work through it. Work on it. But while you are working, do not sin in your anger. What does sin and anger look like? It can be abusive. Sometimes it can be dismissive. And we can, in our anger, sin intentionally, unintentionally, or completely oblivious to whatever our actions may be doing to other people. There's a tendency that we have with our anger. Usually, it's an overgeneralization, but usually when we experience anger, our tendency is to either withdraw or to explode. Think about yourself really quickly. How is it that you tend to respond to anger? Do you tend to withdraw or do you tend to explode? Implode or explode as it were. Think about it. Now it's not to say that living into that pattern is sinful, but if we implode with our anger so that it turns into anxiety or depression, that can be a sin because anger if it's not resolved, leads to anxiety and depression. That becomes sinful. And so, think about it. If you explode, have you ever known someone who when he or she gets angry, they explode and verbal vomit their anger all over you? And then they're fine. And you are there left to pick up the pieces. Like, what am I supposed to do with all this? I know people like that. I love people like that. And so, typically, what we need to do when we experience anger is to think through how we might respond the opposite way toward our natural inclinations. To not withdraw, but to say, I feel angry about this. Don't use you statements, you make me angry. Or, I feel angered by that. I feel angry about that. Or, if you're typical, response is to explode, then maybe take a step back. Allow those jets to cool a little bit. All due respect to Bart Simpson. Allow those jets to cool a little bit so that you're able to process your anger in a way that is healthy and helpful. Pastor and author Tim Keller talks about anger. He says, anger is energy aroused in defense of something good And released against something evil. There's this four-letter word, hate, H-A-T-E, that we tend to associate with anger. We say we're not supposed to hate anything. But that is not entirely accurate. God hates sin. And God's anger is released when he sees us grieving the Holy Spirit. By not living into the transformed life to which we are called to live. And so we see, as we summarize this section in chapter 4 of Ephesians, that living a transformed life means that we must watch our words and speak the truth in love. And we also must not sin in our anger. And to kind of bring it all home, the Apostle Paul tells us not to dabble with the devil... There's a connection here between anger and the role in the work of evil. Anger is what can give the devil a foothold, so to speak, in our lives. The way that we implode or explode when it comes to our anger and the things that we hate, the things and the ways that we release our anger. When we release our anger in a way that is not helpful we're healthy. It gives the devil a foothold, an opportunity just to maybe even grab that Achilles tendon or hold on to the heel. Even and we can't dabble with the devil because once we give the devil an opening, oh, he takes advantage of it in some pretty nefarious ways. It may start out simple enough at first, and then it grows. We become more susceptible to the temptation to not just succumb to our anger, but to try to find relief and release in ways that are not healthy or helpful. We begin to deal with our anger perhaps by eating too much or drinking too much or popping too many pills revisiting too many websites or establishments where we have no business being and living a transformed life thanks to Jesus Christ anger, if unresolved, in healthy or helpful ways, becomes anxiety and it leads to depression. It harms us. It harms our witness. And it grieves the Holy Spirit when we are not able to live into the full expression of transformation. Here's some hope for you, friends. If you've been guilty of succumbing to your sin and allowing that foothold that the devil gets to turn into broader and greater temptation, there's forgiveness for you. Like Christian and the band sang about before the message, oh, come to the altar. The arms of the Father are open wide. Forgiveness he wants to give to you. He wants you to receive it and he wants you to share it with the world. To go seek forgiveness of those who you've harmed or hurt. And this leads us to our third point we must forgive as God in Christ. Forgave you because forgiveness is the hinge upon which the doorway into eternity swings. Living lives of forgiveness means that we are to be the vessels of God's forgiving grace. We are to be the vessels of God's forgiving grace. This comes about through repentance. Changing the way that we think about life and sin and God. In other words, truth. And to help bring justice to the world. I love how that even just a little bit of application point in this passage from Ephesians 4. That brings about this whole idea of justice to bear. Talking about the thief. Justice. It's about restoring someone who sees life and sin and God differently than the ways that Jesus would teach and preach and model for us. Help teach that person that even the thief of the past and the background has the ability to do something from redemption to help the entire body of Christ. This, my friends, is where our proverbial rubber meets the road as we bring not just this message, but this entire series to a close. We talk about forgiveness and grieving the Holy Spirit by not living into the transformation that the Spirit wants to bring into our lives. And we think about it from... How forgiveness is, as I've mentioned several times already, the hinge upon which the doorway into eternity swings. All of us, when we have grieved the Holy Spirit, are guilty of being thieves. Maybe you're not like me and stole $5 from your brother in order to make a payment for a a rachel retreat that you desperately wanted to go on and spend all your money on baseball cards or something true story I didn't get to go on that trip by the way and mom it was the right decision because it taught me about stealing and integrity but we've all robbed God of his generosity and his grace at times haven't we we've grieved the Holy Spirit by taking advantage of the grace and the gifts and the love and the mercy that he so freely and willingly bestows upon us And we want to see justice in terms of being restored so that our past mistakes and sins do not haunt us. And friends, that is the good news of the gospel. Regardless of however it is that you have been guilty of stealing and robbing God of his grace and his mercy and his joy by grieving the Holy Spirit, we've all been guilty of it. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, no, not even one, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all robbed God of his grace and his mercy and his generosity and his forgiveness. But justice, for the biblical point of view, again, is to make whole. And you can do that by turning your broken life into something absolutely beautiful and amazing. You can take your testimony of how you have grieved the Holy Spirit and turn it into a way to testify to the goodness and the mercy of God. You can share with someone how you have fallen short of God's glory and how you have robbed God of the grace and the mercy that he wants to bestow upon you. And you can share how God forgives us even in our worst spots. He redeems us. He makes us whole and restores us for certain ministry in the world. Not to ignore or deny what happened in the past, but to allow our mess to become our message about who God is and how he works in our lives, even with all the broken pieces, to bring about the hope and the power of glory. And so, my friends... If you have yet to receive the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the forgiveness that He has given to you, to allow forgiveness to be the hinge upon which the door to eternity swings, if you have not accepted Jesus' grace and forgiveness, do not let this moment pass you by. If you received it at some point in your life, days or decades ago, but haven't lived fully into the power of transformation of who God is and what he wants to do in your life, this is a moment to come and get real with God, get honest with God, and say, I am guilty of robbing you and thieving you of the mercy that you've put in my life and grieving the Holy Spirit. Or if you're just not sure how all of this is relevant for you, The altar is going to be open as the band comes and plays our closing song this morning. To come and do some time and thought and some prayer with God to receive his forgiveness and to share it. To acknowledge how we have lived unjustly in the past and we've made a mess of things, but we can turn that mess into his message to point people to Jesus. Friends, this is what it means to live that transformed life to speak the truth and love, to recognize that even things like our sin and our anger, which can be volatile and violate the power of God, can also provide opportunities for us to share that message of justice and hope and healing when we allow all of our lives to be given and used by God. So join me in prayer as... I close this message and this series and think critically and carefully about how the message of hope and salvation to the forgiveness of sins is made available to you today and for you to share with the world that thinks truth is arbitrary, misses the idea that it is personal, because truth is in Jesus who forgives and asks us to forgive as well. Swing wide those gates into eternity and salvation and to live a transformed life owning our messes but allowing them to become the message of salvation that this world needs to hear. Almighty God, I thank you for today and I thank you for this very special place, this place of hope. And so Lord God, I hope that as we Consider what it means to be sorry for all the times that we have robbed you of the love and the grace and the mercy you've put in our lives. We've taken advantage of you. We've grieved your Holy Spirit. We've not lived the transformed life that you call us to live and to give. We acknowledge how sorry we are, but we also acknowledge what a powerful message of hope and salvation our messed up and broken, brittle lives can be when they are placed into your eternal hands. The same hands that took the nails on the cross, choosing the thought of an eternity without us in it. And so, Lord God, help us to find in you the way that leads to life everlasting. The truth that comes to us only through Jesus and to live that transformed life. We point people back to you with our words of hope, message out of our mess. We do not sin in our anger or any other ways that we tend to act that are not healthy or helpful for pointing people to you and seeking justice in ways that doesn't add to the wholeness that only you can bring to our lives. And so, Lord God, for the prayers that are being lifted right now, confessing how sorry we are for getting it so wrong so frequently, I give you thanks for the hearts and the minds that are opening so that a life may be transformed and redeemed into the power of who you are. I give you thanks as well. But for those who are just considering what it all means to look back on a life that has missed the mark so often, Lord, help us to see our mistakes. They don't prevent us from living for you into the future. If anything, they help to mold and shape us that we might be a message and vessel of hope for a world that is so desperately in need of it. I thank you, Lord God, for the work you've done in my life and the work that you want to do in all of our lives. May we take it seriously to seek to grow spiritually in service and ministry to your world. In the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus, truth personified, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area, there you can get... service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.